dealers are at a precipice. The latest crisis around the COVID-19 pandemic has pushed their business to the edge. And this is after a years long downward trend in margins. The cumulative effect of this onslaught has brought many dealers to a dark place where they're losing hope. Dealers will only make it through to the light at the end of the tunnel by learning from the challenges and sharing in the successes of those who truly understand what it takes to survive in this industry. I'm Alex Vetter, and this is Unscheduled Maintenance, where we hear stories from the brave, audacious, and creative dealers that keep our industry moving forward. I almost hesitate to say this because nowadays we hear it all the time, but who would have thought we would be in such an unimaginable situation? Alex, I am honored that you'd ask me to be the guest host for episode one of Unscheduled Maintenance. Paul, it's great to have you here. I can't think of anybody out there who does a better job of bringing information out to people and helping our industry as a whole. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. With that in mind, I'm now going to take full control as the host of this episode and introduce you, Alex. Now, a lot of people know a lot of things about you. You're the CEO of Cars, Inc., which we know is the owner of Cars.com, Dealer Inspire, and Dealer Raider. Uh, a lot of people also know that you're a husband and a father. But one thing I learned, and I think something that a lot of people don't know, is that in college you chose to study history and psychology. So. Tell, tell us about that. What, what is it about either of those two that, that were interesting to you? Well, look, I was a Division I athlete, so I figured uh, I had to take on as much as I possibly could. But, but history, <laughs> history and psychology, scratch that. I didn't like that. I didn't know you were going to ask me that. Paul, is that... I know. That's, that's the point. Oh, so, so I'm not supposed to see <laughs> these questions in advance, right? So I didn't expect you. Well, here's you... the point. Okay. You just want me to riff with you. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> You know, I do study history because I find that uh, patterns repeat themselves. And so you've got to uh, get every edge you can about what we could be in for. And I think history paints the best picture of our future. And then I would just say psychology. I've always been fascinated by the way people think, act and behave. And, and so understanding that, I think, has been key to helping me run organizations and, and get the most out of people. I think that's pretty appropriate. And actually, if you do study history, you see it repeat itself over and over. And then the psychology side of it is that really is the essence of business, right? It's people interacting with one another. So I'm going to ask you, let's talk about the things that you want to be remembered for. What is it? How do you want to be remembered? Well, look, first and foremost, uh, a, a great father and husband. I think that's probably most important to me. If I were to narrow it to from a business standpoint, look, the proudest thing I've ever done has been to create jobs for others. And and uh, I've been very fortunate in that regard to, to create companies that, that uh, have had scale behind them and that we've been able to create a lot of careers and, and homes for people. You know, I've always been uh, someone who cares a lot about others and wants to help other people. And, and I hope that part of my legacy will be um, either the number of jobs I've helped create and importantly, the impact I've had on, on people and, and their, their own success. You know, you have relationships with hundreds and, and probably actually thousands 
of car dealers now and over the years. What do you think makes up the DNA of a car dealer? Well, resiliency, number one, they are probably the most entrepreneurial spirit I've ever seen in terms of their willingness to do whatever it takes to, to get the job done. And I admire that about them, this pure resiliency and, and, and grit. They are truly stewards of their community. Um, rarely have I ever find, found a dealer who, who didn't really care about what's going on around him or her. And I think um, I was raised by entrepreneurs. I know small business. And I think I was uh, always shown that you take care of people and you take care of those in your community and, and good things will happen. And I think that's why I've always found a connection with, with small business owners or, or local operators. What do you think the common threads are in how dealers want to be remembered? Well, I think most of them that I know want to uh, have made an impact on their community. I know that they, they compete and they are hard charging in terms of commercial success, but that's not what I see um, them proudest about. I see them proudest about the people they employ, uh, the, the jobs they've created, and the people that work for them so hard each and every day. Um, and, and the commercial success is the byproduct of that. Yeah, I would relate to that. I, I, I always joke because, you know, car dealers have this stigma of being, you know, um, very, like you said, very resilient, very tough, um, you know, hard charging, uh, determined. But I have to say, probably I've seen more dealers cry um, than any other type of business leader that I've been able to interact with. Well, listen, they're dealing with massive human emotions on a, on a, on a large scale. They, they, they really uh, control a lot of livelihoods that are directly, you know, that they're responsible for. And, and that's, a, that's a heavy burden to carry each and every day. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I feel like recently I'm seeing a level of uncertainty, maybe fear and uncertainty and uh, kind of that heavy burden. I feel like I'm seeing more of that than I've ever seen before and I've definitely been around for some of the some of the historic downturns. Um, do you feel like you're seeing some of the same thing, like unprecedented level of uncertainty and fear? Certainly, I think anybody that isn't uh, struggling with the stress or the uncertainty or the fear that COVID nineteen has brought, you know, is there's nobody that's immune to this. And so I think everybody's carrying a much heavier dose of that stress and that anxiety with them every day. We'll be right back. At Cars, we're committed to helping dealers future-proof their business. Our new local delivery badges help you connect with consumers like never before by bringing the buying experience straight to their driveway. And our virtual appointment badges help you be as effective on FaceTime as you are face-to-face. -face. With a proven average increase in lead conversion for badged vehicles, it's clear that these solutions can drive real sales growth. Learn more at growwithcars.com slash cares. That's growwithcars.com slash C-A-R-E-S. You know, you said that you want to be remembered as someone who's ready and willing to fight for other people. You know, that reminds me of 
something that you just recently did with a, a lobbying effort um, to lobby Homeland Security. Can you explain exactly what that was? Well, you know, basically it's trying to help the dealer community have a voice on a national level. I know we have our standard trade associations and and efforts that are always on and always underway, but but this is a surreal event in our history. And, and um, it was really born out of, um, frankly, concern that nobody was uh, speaking up on behalf of these local operators. Uh, hotels and airlines certainly have tons of national attention, but but nobody seems to be speaking out on behalf of the local operator. Uh, we were explicitly lobbying to create the sales distinction as an essential service so that dealerships could continue to operate throughout this pandemic. Did you see anybody standing up to solve this problem or did you see that it was like kind of just stalled? I, I thought um, many people were just hoping and waiting for it to naturally work out, but it was clear in our initial engagements with the people on the f front lines of this legislation that they were not thinking about, contemplating, or truly um, understanding the profound ramifications in terms of how dealerships keep communities rolling. So can you remember there being like, the last straw, like that one thing that you just said, that's it, we're doing something about this. Well, I know the exact moment. It was a evening news story that talked about federal aid for hotel chains and, and airlines and the amount of federal funding that we're gonna bail out those industries, some of which who had been buying their own stock and now we're needing a bailout. And and that, that to me was uh, the moment. Um, I didn't sleep. I got up, I did my research, started uh, talking to people, sending emails, and, and began the movement, you know, at that moment. Okay, so what types of things did you hear from dealers, like, while you were executing that effort? So, you know, you built the site, you had people responding, uh, petitions were going out, signatures were going out. What was the, the chatter that you heard from the dealers who were participating? What were they saying in the midst of the effort? So as you know, Paul, New York was was allowed to, to sell cars virtually, even though it was the epicenter of, of COVID-19. But, um, you know, Maryland and New Jersey were also allowed to as well. So dealers in Pennsylvania were not. Governor Wolf there had had not given the executive clearance that, that dealerships could operate. And what really, you know, spoke to me um, as, as Pennsylvania dealers were laying off their staffs and dealing with the crisis, is that uh, community leaders uh, were being impacted. So we had a nurse uh, read this directly from the letter that uh, we have a healthcare worker in Pennsylvania who, whose car was totaled. They need a new car to get to the hospital and the doctor's office so that and we had to turn them away. To be even more specific, the nurse needed a new vehicle because of an accident. She contacted us and we had to tell her that they could not help her due to the order made by the governor. She then had to travel all the way to Maryland to purchase a vehicle to get the transportation she needed to get back to work to save American lives. We need your help, the community needs us, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the real stories that were happening in the midst of this crisis. And, and uh, states were taking too long to, to work through these issues on their own. Can you tell me if you, I'm sure you remember, cause it's still pretty fresh, um, 
how did you feel the moment you found out that you did it? Elation. I think there was uh, complete, um, complete elation. You know, I think that we're not alone in this effort. I, I really want to recognize NADA and other organizations as well. But I know we did our part because the feedback was coming back to us loud and clear that our voices were being heard. And what I was most proud about was the network effect that we created together nationally on behalf of a local issue. So thinking about that whole effort, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned having uh, decided to do that and having walked through it and then seeing the result? Well, um, I'd be remiss not to say I was just really impressed with the number of people that wanted to, to lean in and, and help solve the problem. We had so many people in my company volunteer to help out with this effort. This was on top of all the other business challenges that we were facing, too. We, we certainly have our, our share of 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 challenge. We were providing financial relief to our dealers. We had to furlough our employees, uh, you know, to offset that loss, but we knew it was the right thing to do in the immediate term. But we had tough stuff, very tough. Uh, So we were doing the exact same things our dealers were having to do. But but importantly, the volume of people that were willing to volunteer in their discretionary time to help lead this campaign and lead this effort, whether it was our developers building uh, the tools or our product and design team standing up tools that dealers could use and make turnkey solutions. We pivoted our whole workforce in a matter of you know hours towards um, almost you know triage type support for the situation. You know, it's it's really an example I think, and it, and a call forward about personal responsibility to anyone in leadership, not just those in charge of, you know, a large influential company. But, you know, we talked about dealers being leaders in their community. So I'd like to ask you about leadership in general. Now, someone who studied history, right, and pays attention to this stuff and knows quite a bit about it. Who are some of the leaders that who have inspired and influenced you over the years? They could be historical leaders, they could modern day, but who? what's that list look like for Alex Vetter? Paul, you, you know me well enough to know that's probably an impossible question for me to answer briefly. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> uh, you know, look, I, I am a student of of the game, and and uh, I can't think of one that would that would rise to the occasion. I've been inspired at at obviously in this current crisis, the healthcare community more than anybody. Uh, they're risking their lives to to be there at the point, and and they're our tip of a spear dealing with with the issue hands on. And so right now, I, it's forever etched in my mind that, that if you're a healthcare worker uh, dealing with this crisis, um, you are you are the, 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 the best leader I can think of right now. What are the qualities that you see there? Uh, selflessness. They, they are, um, and which is a core facet of leadership, to, to, to serve others and, and to put others before you. And I think that's always been a core operating philosophy I've looked for in, in leaders that I hire and, and and certainly how we expect, you know, our team to operate in my company. But um, the selflessness that they're exhibiting, uh, working around the clock, putting themselves at risk, um, it's the definition of leadership. Obviously, the automotive industry spans over 100 years. You know thousands and thousands of dealers over those years. Um, who, who are some of the dealers that really stand up in your mind as like, there is a real leader? 
Well, I, you know, just off the top of my head, because we're just dealing with the crisis in real time, I was blown away by what Dale Wiley out of Kansas City was doing, offering discounted services or free services for all first responders and healthcare professionals. In a, they were the first to act um, and, and essential workers. So, so just the fact that they had it in their DNA to think first about others uh, was incredible. I thought Brian Benstock... Uh, who was diagnosed with the virus, having to lead his company from from his from his home, uh, showed incredible signs of leadership and resiliency. But but there's hundreds, right? Those are just two that come top of mind. Uh, so many dealerships were doing anything they could to keep their employees intact and, and minimize the damage to their communities. Uh, we could we could go on for hours on on those. Do you think that all dealers should view themselves as leaders? Well, I think they must if they want to. If they want to lead their community, they've got to both lead their their own store and their own business. But they've got to they've got to put put their users and customers first. And so, yes, I think if they're going to be successful, they they can't lead selfishly thinking about their business, but rather what can they do for their community and their customers. I think dealerships are going to be some of the first businesses to bring our economy back. They literally are going to help put people back in in business, not only in in servicing and supporting the existing cars that are out there, but in you know the business models have been changing for everyone. Just the sheer delivery system alone, um, and people are expecting everything to be brought to them. These are all going to be driven by automobiles, and and so I think the the dealer industry not only can see a huge rebound but we're fundamentally going to change the way commerce works in this country. I agree with that. Well, over the next episodes, you're going to be talking with dealers who have faced closures and downturns and all kinds of crises, but they rose to face them and they won. So why did you decide that you would be the one to really champion and tell those stories? Well, I think we all need inspiration. I think particularly during this crisis, as I've been saying to my company, there are silver linings there. You just have to look hard. And I think that uh, while we're dealing with such difficulty personally and professionally, we need something that will inspire us and give us the strength to keep going. And I think the relatability of, of the challenges we face as an industry are easily transferable from from market to market and store to store. And that's one of the reasons why, even though this is a massive industry in terms of the amount of money in it, it's a real small community of operators that are making it happen each and every day. And so that's one of the best parts about this industry is we're, we're a very small, knit, tight community. So without a doubt, the thing that we're going through right now, we are not, we're going to come through it and we all know that and agree with it. But I think it's also become very, very clear that we're not going to look the same on the other side. Um, what are some of your thoughts on on how the auto industry will look and operate when we come through the other side of this? I think we're going to manage supply and demand much differently on the other side of this crisis. Um, I, I think that the way people are going to use technology to inform decisions is going to be a, um, there's going to be far less gut decision making and much more reliance on data. I do think the business model of, of bringing service to the home and bringing sales to the home is, is here to stay. The notion that, that only a few car companies can, can deliver vehicles 
I think is is um, is going to change. I think more and more dealerships are developing the capabilities to be a service provider as opposed to just a sales agent. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, this is this is going to be uh, the one thing that we'll all look back on. I mean, like that's the moment we reached, uh, kind of made peace with the fact that this was here to stay. Alex, I can't thank you enough for uh, letting me be the guest host on episode one of your series. It was just so great to sit and spend a few minutes with you. Paul, thank you. I'll sign off by saying, when an industry breaks down, we must all work to keep it running. This has been your guest host, Paul J. Daly, on Unscheduled Maintenance, where we hear stories from brave, audacious, and creative dealers. We'll see you next time.